0: Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. And for those of you that are watching the video on YouTube, you'll see our princess dog in the background wearing a little sweatshirt because it's cold. Okay, so topics for this week. We've got the first topic on one roof on the 27th of June. Banks say yes, but Kayanga Ora says no to first home loan applicants. Topic number two, one roof, 27th of June, New Zealand's most expensive and cheapest suburbs take a price hit. Topic number three, stuff on the 27th of June, ANZ pauses mortgages to people with less than 20% deposit. And fourth topic, NZ Herald on the 29th of June, government has spent $1 billion on emergency housing grants, including motel accommodation. Fifth topic for today one roof 28th of June Tony Alexander eight facts to keep in mind if New Zealand falls into recession. Okay so let's kick things off with the one roof article that says banks say yes but Kaianga Ora says no to first home loan applicants. 20 applicants from first home buyers wanting to buy a house with a low deposit were rejected by Kaianga Aura despite the application already being vetted by an approved lender. From January 2021 to March 2022, 20 of the 2,696 first-time loan applications were declined because they failed to meet all of the eligibility criteria. The first-time loan is designed to help those who've got a small deposit but can afford the repayments. Applications that are approved under the scheme can purchase a home with just 5% deposit. Lenders screen first home buyers according to their own lending criteria, as well as that of Kayanga Ora's, before forwarding their application onto Kayanga Ora for sign-off. Kayanga Aura then underwrites the loan to allow the lender to provide a loan that would otherwise sit outside of their standard lending requirements, which usually require a 20% deposit under the reserve bank restrictions. Kayanga Aura Homes and Communities Manager of Home Ownership Products Jason Lovell said that while the majority of applications are approved, there are still a few instances where Kayanga Aura declines an application because a part of the criteria hasn't been met one example is when the registered valuations identify a main maintenance issue with a property that would cost more than ten thousand dollars to fix another is when applicants prefer retaining more of their savings instead of putting as much as possible towards their deposit according to Lovell, too much is assessed on a case-by-case basis but ideally most of the savings should go towards purchasing the house with a reasonable amount withheld to cover any costs such as legal fees, furniture requirements and moving fees. Applicants who've been declined have the chance to reapply once the eligibility requirements have been met. Easy Street Mort- Mortgages Advisor Gareth Beale said rejections would prevent applicants from buying a home. or scheme for some people is the only opportunity they have to buy a house because of deposit restraints put on the banks by the Reserve Bank. Essentially, a lot of the banks, especially ANZ, are only reserving their low deposit funding to people with a significant income and ordinary first home buyers are left out. Beal wants to see Koyang Aura put more discretion into things that make sense, such as when an applicant has not been in their current position for the required time frame but has got good employment history. One of his clients had his application denied because the person had changed careers from engineering to becoming a paramedic. Sorry, that was a slip of the tongue. Paramedic, not pandemic. We're in a pandemic. He's a paramedic. Anyway, the applicant had not been in the role for more than 12 months, which means that he or she did not fulfil Kayanga Aura's eligibility criteria. This is more than what banks require of applicants because they're usually satisfied with the PAYE income on a permanent contract and a previous employment record. Another one of Veal's clients was not granted a first-home loan because he inherited a classic car with a significant sentimental value. Kaianga Ora asked him to sell the car and put the proceeds towards the deposit. Veal believes that because of Kayanga Ora's rigid criteria, plenty of good applicants can't have access to the first-home loan. In May, the government removed house price caps in the first-home loan scheme to provide qualified applicants with more property options to choose from. But First Home Buyers Club director Leslie Harris said that while the house price caps had been removed, the first-home loan income caps remained, and buying a house in either Auckland or Wellington often required a bigger income than the cap allowed. Mortgage broker Stuart Wills, who runs the Kiwi First Home Buyers Facebook group, said those whose applications were rejected by the bank or kaianga didn't know about the status of their application as the correspondence was done by the lender. He also found that applications are often declined around grey areas, such as if the person hasn't been in their job for 12 months but was in a similar role or whether their income fell within the cap. The income is taken from what a person earns over the past 12 months. So if their income changes, then the person's eligibility for the first-home loan can also change. Wills said they only recently made applications for clients using the first-home loan because the previous house price cap didn't really allow for it in Auckland. Not all banks offer first-home loans. The eight lenders involved in the first-home loan scheme include Westpac, Kiwi Bank, SBS Bank, and the Cooperative Bank and Unity. Second topic for this week's review is an article on One Roof on the 27th of June. New Zealand's most expensive and cheapest suburbs take a price hit. These are the five things you need to know about the housing market this week, according to CoreLogic Chief Economist Calvin Davidson. Number one, house price falls across the board. CoreLogic's latest suburb value figures show that the median property value of more than half of the country's suburbs have declined since March. The falls have taken place across the board, from expensive areas to cheaper locations. These price falls are great for potential first-time buyers, but it's not good news for anyone who stretched themselves to purchase property in the second half of 2021. Despite the falls, there's also a decent number of suburbs that have seen gains since March. I think it's also important to remember that you know we are heading into winter, so it's not surprising that the property market slows down a bit heading into winter. That happens every year unless the property market's in a ridiculously strong boom. Secondly, recession risks haven't really changed. The quarter one GDP result reveals a fall of 0.2%. Another potential fall in GDP might put us into a technical recession, although most economists don't think that's going to happen. For the time being, some surveys of manufacturing and services are encouraging, but the consumer and business confidence remains an issue. Last week's New Zealand Activity Index indicated an increase in economic activity. Davidson believes whether or not a technical recession happens, economic conditions are still tough on the ordinary person and for the property market. Number three, labour market still vital. Very low unemployment remains a silver lining and nominal wages are raising, even if they are running below the pace of inflation. The labour market is still key to the property outlook. In April we saw a 0.6% rise in jobs filled, but a reversal to it in the coming months would add to recession fears. Number four, labour market still vital. Something to look out for is the Reserve Bank's aggregated mortgage lending figures in May. It'll be interesting to measure the share of lending to owner-occupiers going out at a high loan-to-value ratio in April and if it was sustained last month. Even if it did hold steady at around 6%, that's still relatively lower than the 10% speed limit. This means that attitudes towards low deposit lending still remains cautious because of the potential drops in value of property being lent against. And it's certainly something that we're seeing in the bank market at the moment. So a lot of lenders are pulling back on that um, low deposit loans. Number five, interest-only lending is sliding lower. The mortgage lending figures also show data by payment type, and it's worth noting that interest-only debt has become less significant over the past few years, dropping from about 40% of existing investor loans pre-COVID to around 34% now, with the fall for owner-occupiers being from around 9% to 12%. Demand and a conservative attitude from lenders are key influences of this trend, and given the phased removal of interest deductibility, there's more incentive now for investors to pay off debt faster, hence some will have actively switched to a principal repayment schedule. As capital gains look weaker, being able to build equity via reducing debt seems to be the most logical thing to do. Uh, I would suspect that the main reason that investors in particular have been paying down mortgages on their rental properties is because without the tax deductions, uh, that is going to impact on their cash flow. So they want to pay the mortgage down to increase the passive income so that they've got enough passive income to pay the tax bill at the end of the year, at least until we get a change of government. Topic number three, stuff on the 27th of June, ANZ pauses mortgages to people with less than 20% deposits. ANZ's put a pause on issuing new home loans to applicants with less than 20% deposit, and this is significant because ANZ is New Zealand's largest bank. An ANZ spokesperson said this was done, so banks remain within the low equity lending cap set by the Reserve Bank to Patea Matua, which limits banks to lending only 10% of new home loans to people with less than 20% equity. Earlier this year, BNZ temporarily halted lending for low deposit applications. It's also not the first time ANZ has announced a low equity lending pause, having done so in in November, though it did resume low equity lending again in February. In a message to mortgage advisors, ANZ said this move was done to meet the Reserve Bank's tightened loan-to-valuation requirements. However, some types of loans were exempted from the rules, including people who are borrowing to build a new home in order to encourage home-building activity. Mortgage advisor Karen Tatterson from Loan Market said that banks tend to use the traffic light system to inform advisors when they were making loans to low deposit borrowers and when they weren't. ANZ's pause was the first one in recent months. Falling house prices have made buyers anxious about negative equity and purchasing a home that could be less than what they paid for. Last week CoreLogic data showed that house prices fell in half the country's suburbs, over the last three months, which proved that the downturn was spreading. CoreLogic's latest mapping analysis showed prices dropped by 1% or more in 323 suburbs and by less than 1% in another 163 suburbs. An ANZ spokesperson said that customers with existing approval will not be affected until the expiry date, at which point they'll need to apply the updated policy. ANZ will return to providing approvals for low-deposit lending once the current situation is stabilised. The banks still accept all other home lending, including lower-deposit loans for new builds. Fourth topic for today, in the New Zealand Herald on the 29th of June, government has spent £1 billion on emergency housing grants, including motel accommodation. Since it came into office five years ago, the government has spent more than $1 billion on emergency housing grants. A large part of this has been spent on accommodation in motels across the country. Social Development Minister Carmel Cipollone confirmed through answers to written parliamentary questions that since December 2017, the government spent $1.2 billion through the grants. Senior National MP Chris Bishop said this is a grim milestone for the government and this is not the ideal way for families to be housed There are currently around 4,000 households living in emergency housing, many of them in motels. Emergency housing is accommodation for people who urgently need a place to stay and have nowhere else to go. Bishop said that the government is helping motel owners get rich by paying them millions of dollars while people are being forced to live in terrible conditions. He said the fact that the $1 billion mark has almost certainly been passed is a sign of Labor's failure on housing. Cipollone said that motels weren't the long-term solution the government wanted to use. She added that they don't want any New Zealander to be an emergency accommodation, but if there's no other option, then we need motels as an option for them. She also pointed out that it was the previous administration that left the government with a housing crisis. Of course, she did. Zeppeloni stated that the number of people receiving emergency housing grants began to stabilise at the beginning of 2022 and is now declining. In some part of the country, residents housed in motels have complained of social unrest. Restore Rotorua, a group campaigning against the government using motels as social housing, says that the issue is at breaking point. Fenton Street, which used to be Rotorua's Golden Mile, has become MSD Mile. Or Ministry of Social Development, mild due to the number of motels being converted to emergency accommodation. Meanwhile, the State House waiting list has reached another record high. The latest data shows 27,200 people are now waiting for a State House. Bishop said these figures have increased fivefold since Labor took office. The government said that it's focusing on building public housing and making sure that the right environment and regulations are in place. I suspect if they hadn't made things quite so difficult for landlords, there wouldn't be such a rent crisis at the moment. Topic number five, one roof on the 28th of June, Tony Alexander said eight facts to keep in mind if New Zealand falls into a recession. This analysis is provided by independent economist Tony Alexander. He believes that if the economy shrinks, not everybody will be affected. A recession in the current context will have an effect similar to dropping a birthday cake rather than driving a car into a ditch. A world of difference between the two. And I'm sure that that will be good news for most of New Zealand. Reason number one, while costs for farmers are rising, the incomes for most are booming. Fonterra has just announced a record projected payout for its suppliers for this season and prices are good for most of the things we ship overseas. This partially reflects the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which has caused a sharp rise in global food prices. New Zealand is an exporter of food. Reason number two, a recession causes businesses to react to falling sales by laying off staff they've previously hired in large numbers to handle firm growth. But apart from the real estate sector, hardly any sector in New Zealand is running in excess of staff. There's a shortage in employees, so redundancies in the event of an economic shrinkage will be very small. The same goes for business inventories. Should a recession happen, only a few firms will find themselves with a surplus in raw materials and finished goods, as most are still trying to get stock levels to average. Retailers that have only recently taken goods ordered from overseas may have big sales due to the weakening of consumer spending. Reason number three, the $17 billion international travel sector is coming back to life and is set to stimulate the economy even though foreign clients will be feeling the cost of living pain as we are, probably more so given that they've got soaring home energy costs which we're not experiencing here. Reason number four, there's hope that a good number of foreign students will be returning to New Zealand next year which will give life to Auckland's CBD in particular. Reason number five, high job security and banks using mortgage test interest rates of 6.5% or higher, in some cases around the 7.6% mark, means that very few mortgagee sales of residential property will occur this time round. Banks have been stricter with lending for quite some time. They didn't do so ahead of the GFC, some finance companies did instead, and lending rules and capital requirements tightened further in the decade after 2008-2009. Reason number six, the New Zealand dollar has not been unusually strong for a great number of years, and in fact has weakened slightly in the past year, which is really helpful for our export sector. Reason number seven, central and local governments are working on infrastructure projects. Let's hope we don't have too many more working groups, though, because I'm a bit tired of those. Reason number eight, if the economy shrinks by 1%, that means 99% is functioning normally. Just as not all businesses grow when the economy grows, not all suffer when the economy enters a recession, much like we saw during the early stages of the pandemic. You know, there were some parts of the economy that really struggled and others that were you know they were telling us that business had never been better because of the severity of labor shortages, a number of businesses might be hoping for a recession so that they can hire people laid off in other sectors. That's a bit grim, Tony <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully we don't end up with uh, with too many people in um, unemployment. Tony Alexander said that people need to remember these factors should they feel panicked from seeing headlines about an upcoming recession. If you want to learn more about the property market, feel free to join me at one of our free online training sessions or our live events, which are exactly the same as the online training sessions, but the live ones are held in our office in Ellerslie. If you want to register for one of those, go to propertyapprentice.co.nz and I'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening.